Welcome to Rocker Radio. I'm Jason Bryan, and you're listening to News Desk. Rocker Radio is bringing you the fresh news and insights about telecoms roaming and interconnect, as we do in our reports. This is the second monthly news desk from Rocco, and our aim is to provide you with a blend of news, insights, and opinion about the world of roaming and interconnect. In this news desk, we are in London, and we're in Marrakesh. I'm joined in the studio by James Williams, our principal SMS consultant, who's going to talk to us about the evolving world of carrier billing. We also hear from Cara Murphy, roaming manager from JT Global, about how, as a non-EU MNO, the regulation has affected them. So we've had to kind of mirror the regulation ourselves, even though we're not part of the EU, because our customers are expecting that. Um, obviously, from a wholesale point of view, we're not entitled to those wholesale rates. So from a resource perspective, we've had to put a lot of resource in into negotiating rates with the EU operators in order to enable these lower retail rates. In Marrakesh, we also had the chance to meet Paul David from Revector who speaks about the implications for MNOs of OTT bypass. I guess over the last uh, 18 months to two years, a lot of the mobile operators had seen quite dramatic changes in inbound return. Sometimes the marketing department had suggested, oh, it's the death of voice. But actually, when you actually look at it, because they can't see the CDR anymore, it's moved up onto the uh, data network, they're missing it out. And in preparation for RMS research, we hear from Hendrik Brenner from Romsys and the success of Ryax Area 21. Yeah, the whole thing was pretty much uh, operator driven. Back in 2007, when the GSMA officially introduced the IR21 RIAC standard, we built this database on behalf of the GSMA and uh, one of our clients, which is T Mobile Germany, they were very active in trialing and testing. And they said, yeah, it's very nice to be able to send out yeah. our own file in XML but it would be even better if I could process my partner files automatically. Rasmus Christiansen from Roaming Audit is also telling us about the latest solutions they are bringing to the market. Yeah, it's, it's working more efficiently. Uh, instead of having to sort of look at a two 25-page uh, documents in a PDF, uh, we tell you exactly what's the difference between these documents. Both Romsys and Roaming Audit offer great solutions to help handle productivity and efficiencies in roaming services for MNOs. With so much in today's news desk, let's kick off. So hello James, welcome to the studio, how are you? Uh, very well, thank you Jason, great to be here. You've been busy on the road as usual. Where were you last week? I was in London. How was London, James? London was great, Jason. It was great to be there, and I was there not just for some usual meetings with customers and operators, etc., etc., but for something brand, brand new to me, and I think also for Rocco, namely my first entrance into the world of carrier billing. What is carrier billing? Carrier billing is quite simply the ability for mobile subscribers to purchase goods and services and to have these purchases added directly to their mobile phone bill. So no use of MasterCard or PayPal or anything else, just tagged to their phone bill. So we all know PayPal and, and, and Apple Pay, and I'm sure many of us have used them. What is the interest for MNOs in this space? I mean, aren't those kind of solutions out there already? This is exactly the issue I've come across so many times in the world of ATP, SMS and mobile engagement. There are so many aggregators out there so many content deliverers out there 
why, apart from just having content delivered to their own subscribers, should mobile network operators get involved with content delivery to other operators around the world? And it all comes to the fact that mobile network operators are having revenue squeezed from everywhere. You have OTTs have been taking a great chunk of messaging revenues in the past few years, and mobile operators need to realize, in my opinion, that they own the mobile number ranges, content is being delivered to their subscribers, and it's up to the mobile operator to ensure that the channels are clean, free of spam, uncluttered, and that this content delivery is being monetized in a fair manner. And until now, or until recently, many mobile operators have not realized this as an opportunity. Now, talking about carrier billing, there is a real opportunity there, obviously, for revenues and margin, because why let other payment companies and channels have it all their own way? You're talking about the OTTs and, and those kind of players. That I am. That I am indeed. So the OTT companies out there are building their own communications networks effectively. They're wanting to deliver as much content as possible themselves. And indeed, aggregators, or some aggregators I know, are seeing less traffic from these OTT companies as the OTTs are able to directly deliver using their direct relationship. So the OTTs are very much involved in carrier billing and the mobile network operators though, this is the key thing I've seen, again relevant to carrier billing and mobile engagement, they have a very, very strong brand. Most have a very, very strong brand and it's all about leveraging that. On the topic of leveraging opportunities, last week I met Paul David from Erector, a company who appear regularly in Rocco reports um, at the moment just in the Symbox detection side, but they offer a wider degree of services and they wanted to tell us about MNOs and the implications for MNOs of OTT bypass. Paul, we've been talking in the past about OTT bypass and this particular solution which Revector is offering. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. I guess over the last uh, 18 months to two years, a lot of the mobile operators had seen quite dramatic changes in inbound return. Sometimes the marketing department had suggested, oh, it's the death of voice. But actually, when you actually look at it, because they can't see the CDR anymore, it's moved up onto the uh, data network, they're missing it out. And if you actually have a look at those CDRs, they're coming from a carrier or a session border controller. They're not net neutrality. Uh, application to application there's there's people going out there selling carrier minutes and they're selling it in big chunks and the inbound return particularly anyone who's got a high inbound return set by a government Africa or Asia they're going through the floor is this is a service which is very common to find in in the industry I mean the, the service you particularly offer can you describe what you do for operators so uh, one of the biggest problems often for the fraud department is convincing the rest of the business to get involved in something like OTT Bypass. So OTT Bypass, the solution you're going to have to put in is pretty uh, intrusive into the network. So the first problem is, is well, how much of it is there? Is, is, is this even worth worrying about? Well, the first thing we always do is try and establish how much there is. Now, there's a couple of ways to do that. You could do the old-fashioned test calls like we've done on Simbox. But actually, what you're doing is you're creating a problem because you're buying routes that are probably using these things anyway, and you might be overstating it. We prefer to put something into the network and actually just count, going past the window, how many OTT bypass calls there are, what their lengths and call lengths are, 
do some pretty big samples and give the business back a, a literally a list of their lost CDRs, where they originated, where they're going, wow. and how long they are. And then they know this is how much it's worth. And I'll, once you've got to there, you can make a decision. And the decision is, is this worth us investing in? Because it's not a cheap thing to fix this, um, but it does give you some flexibility in some other technologies as well if you do take on the fix. So just for people who wouldn't understand what OTT bypass is, what is the actual effect to the subscriber? Well, it's quite interesting because I think there's a couple of elements here, which is you've got an OTT operator who's got an application selling carrier minutes to somebody else in the world, a mobile operator, a fixed line telco, and they're routing that OTT call. Effectively, it never touches the mobile operator's billing mechanism. It's coming over the top and coming over the internet and landing on the phone without really... Now, there's two effects of that. One is very bad for the mobile operator in the country. The second one is, is if you've paid your $5 for your data on your phone and some OTT player who's got a call from your great aunt has just burnt a great big hole in it you're not so happy as a consumer either because you know a, a, a long call will eat a great big chunk of your data allowance and suddenly you thought you'd paid your your sim card for that and now you're you're actually paying uh, to receive your auntie's call as well so c consumer choice there's lots of revenue to the operator um, and actually sometimes there's lots of lots of tax revenue to the government because many African governments tax inbound return and so you're, you've actually got a government tax problem as well where the taxes are going down. All of that creates quite an appetite to fix the problem. When I've actually worked with operators, if there's a law that says well actually no one can operate VoIP unless they've got a licensing country, the government regulator is saying this is okay because we haven't sanctioned this. We felt quite good about giving a customer a solution as long as it's legal in the country where we're operating. And, and we obviously allow customers to, having sized it as we talked about, to either block it or what we call shape it. So we deny the bandwidth to allow a decent voice call to that, to that traffic flow, which means that the call is either robotic or tinny and is of no use to anyone. How would they reach you uh, to find out more about your solution? Anyone can reach me, I'm uh, paul.david at revector.com. Uh, more than happy to talk to anyone. As I say, I think one of the things that we'd always say to anyone is, let's establish how big it is before we, we start talking about how to fix it. And that, that first exercise is a very quick exercise to establish what is the size of the losses here and, and is, it, is, it, is it worth us all work? Interestingly, I did a piece of work in Asia recently where I was absolutely sure they were going to be riddled with OTT bypass because they had been giving the application away on their handsets. So it made sense that there would be a problem. And yet when I went there, um, they only had Simbox. So that was Paul David we heard from just now about OTT bypass. Any views on this, James? I do. But I'll keep it really, really simple, really short. I have one word to say, and that is transparency. Mobile operators for years, if not decades, have gone around the world creating amazing networks that allow the average person on the street to essentially, all said and done, when we cut through all of it, lead a better life. It increases their life chances. Everyone knows that a great telecoms infrastructure is key to the development of any nation. And as long as a mobile network operator receives a fair recompense 
for any interaction that the company wishes to have with their subscribers, that's fine by me. There are organizations globally who like overcharging and for example, some authorities may go into a little bit too hard and see communications, telecoms as a cash cow in terms of tax revenues. But we know across the globe that if something is charged for reasonably in terms of the prevailing market level within any country, then you are going to encourage its use. Now, over to you, Jason. You've just returned from the GSMA WAS meeting in Morocco, and that was number six, hosted by Monty Mobile. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get there because, as you know, I was at the Carry Billing Conference. It's all about you, isn't it, James? Yeah, all about me, me, <laughs> me, Jason. Thank you. But what are your what are your key takeaways from WAS six? What really hit you as being important? No, I was expecting to go to marrakesh and hear more about the what had happened in europe this summer 15th of june of course the the roaming regulation and some of the impacts of that and in fact i spoke to a couple of vendors who are in a, a good position to let's say talk to us about that in the future but in terms of mobile network operators it wasn't mentioned that much i mean i think of course the regulation has been going on for for 10 years so it's not exactly news but of course what we're interested in and what we're trying to un uncover is the kind of scale up of usage of roaming the changing of the silent roamer into an active roamer which is something we're still trying to define but apart from that as usual with these conferences lots of talk about the potential future that's coming up ltem which you know the low power frequency uh, solution which is going to be helping with internet of things was a topic Volte, of course, and it seems to me that, you know, there's some real standards clarity on Volte these days. And Rich Communication Suite, SMS 2.0, which, which came up and, of course, there's some, let's say, new documentation for mobile network operators to look at in terms of that. But, yeah, I mean, actually, I spoke to a couple of interesting vendors. One of them was Romsys and the other was a relatively new vendor called Roaming Audit. You know, I've known for a while Rasmus Christiansen, and it was a pleasure to to get to know a little bit more about his product uh, that he brought to market. They had a, a really nice stand there in Marrakesh, and of course, the efficiency gains for operators are pretty clear. Hello, Rasmus. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. I'm enjoying the WAS meeting here. Tell us a little bit about your history in telecoms. Well, I started back in '97, straight out of school. In Denmark, I'm from Denmark. Uh, there was a third operator launching in Denmark, which was France Telecom, and they launched a brand called Mobilix. Okay. And uh, they were hiring friends of mine out of school, and uh, nobody contacted me, so I decided to contact them. And the following day, I had a job as a what was called an NSS engineer back then, which is today a core engineer. Okay. And that was kind of my entry to to the telecommunications world and I was lucky enough to work in the switch department and I didn't really have anybody to explain how it works. We were sent for courses in Germany and in uh, Finland. This was a Nokia, Nokia network. The second guy I met there was a consultant and I figured well, this guy is making more money than anybody else so that's what I want to do. <laughs> so after a couple of years in Denmark I went to Germany, I later went to Greece, I went to the US and I uh, had actually built a lot of tools for myself to help me analyze data in, in, in the core network. 
and this turned into a company I founded in, in 2001 and ran this until 2012. So performance management, fault management, network management. And uh, the thing that actually was had the most impact when you talked about it was roaming. Uh, when you looked at it from a, a troubleshooting perspective or a, actually a, a financial perspective as well, if we could show some examples with which had to do with roaming, we got people's attention. And that's kind of the, the background for roaming audit that uh, a lot of the things that we found when you looked at performance and troubleshooting turned out to be configuration related. Okay. So what exactly does the roaming audit solution offer then to a mobile network operator? There's, there's kind of three pillars that, that we call it today. So the first part, which doesn't necessarily have to do with the audit part, but which is the, the management part. So we have a, an easy way for you to work with IR21 updates. So we have a dashboard which really shows the deltas. Know, what's been added, what's been removed. And this is what... So, so from the actual IR21, which is exchanged between operators? Yes. And, and part of the data we collect from the, the InfraCenter, or the, the RIAX database, and the other parts we, we manually actually update in our database. But, but the main thing is that with all of this information that has to be consistently configured throughout your, the network, database like this is, is very valuable and it's the data from this database that we use to compare against what's actually configured in the network. This consistency is what gives customers a, a pleasant experience when, when they're roaming. Uh, so it's actually helping the mobile network operator to, to become more productive in general or to save costs or what's the key driver for... Yeah, it's, it's working more efficiently. Uh, instead of having to sit and look at a two 25-page uh, documents in a PDF, uh, we tell you exactly what's the difference between these documents. And that's one part being more efficient. The other part is actually finding leakage. I mean, if there is things that's really missing in the network, it means you're losing out on revenue. Maybe worse, you're giving it to the competitor. And for MNOs who are interested to learn more about your solution, how would they reach you? Uh, well, the, our website, roamingaudit.com. You're also welcome to email me at rasmus at roamingaudit.com. Rasmus Christiansen, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to meet you and I wish you best of luck with your solution. Thank you very much. So that was Rasmus Christiansen from Roaming Audit on the latest solutions they are bringing to the market. Jason, I actually got a question for you because you are the roaming Jedi, the <laughs> true roaming Jedi. You really do. Safe to say you know a little bit more roaming than a bit about roaming than I do. Safe to say. That. I should hope so. I've been doing this uh, over 20 years. <laughs> Doesn't look at it. You don't look at it. You don't look at it. Question. I'll, I'll pay you later. Thank you. We've got operators within the EU that are clearly earning now, suddenly, overnight, earning far less from roaming. We have the pressures from other channels, the OTTs. All of this is eating into roaming revenues from mobile network operators. What are they doing actually to counter this and help increase roaming revenue? That's a very big question, but I think there's like a couple of directions, let's say. I mean, of course, they're looking at new revenue streams. Of course, data is still increasing. When you consider that, that they're not able to make roaming charges towards their retail subscribers, then the focus has become, let's say, on the wholesale side. But the, the, the point is that roaming is not just in the 28 EU member states. No, it isn't, because uh, we keep talking about the EU. So much, for example, is made of Brexit, the EU. But hang on a second. The majority of the world is not the European Union. 
And I think personally speaking from myself, and uh, yes, I have to admit, in many, many countries I go to where data is, for example, extortionally expensive, I am a silent roamer. Mm. What are operators doing? What do they need to do to convert people like myself when I go to certain countries? What can they do? I think the key thing about silent roaming is, of course, there are many activities that MNOs are doing to resolve silent roaming. And regulation, what, I, what we're trying to understand is what is the impact been of this regulation towards bringing back those silent roamers. And I think there's activity on the retail side we, which we can learn from, which has happened because of this regulation in other parts of the world, right? Because regulation is not just about the EU. That, that's, that's a question, actually. There are, the world is vast. Are there any other groups of countries or regions, continents of the world, where countries or operators are getting together and thinking, hang on a second, we want to do something very similar to what the EU have done? Actually, specifically, of course, it's going to be the regulators going to be doing this. No, of course, the regulators, um, and there's at least three regulator groups in, in Africa, for example, who are working on this. There are Rome-like home solutions already for voice in Africa. Um, there's pockets of other regulation around the world. We have a nice podcast uh, of Chalk Talk coming up on this exact topic. But I think what was interesting for me from the World's Conference is, yes, there's two things the operators are doing. The first is to look at their inter interoperator tariffs towards the between EU MNOs, of course, to look at how they can reduce those. And it's down to, as a number of MNOs told us, such a 0.000% of difference that actually it's not as interesting as it used to be in terms of getting the kind of discounts that you can expect. But apart from that, an EU operator might feel empowered by this to ask to go to non-EU um, non MNOs and say, look, I've been stung by this roaming regulation. Um, my margins are not so good, and I expect you to come down in price too. But there could also be situations where they're going to their vendors, and they're asking their vendors, look, we had to lose roaming charges, essentially. What are you going to do to support me in this situation? Of course, there's huge competition in the vendor community in Europe, so that's something that's happening. We see other situations happening, efficiencies like we heard from Rasmus, but also... I met last week with Romsis and uh, Hendrik Brenner, a face everybody knows from the WAS meetings, has something to say about the effectiveness of the RIEX solution. And that's something been going on since 2001. And uh, Hendrik told us about the success of the latest project. I'm here with Hendrik Brenner from Romsis, and he has a bit of a call today, don't you, Hendrik? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a pleasure to, to be with you here. Um, a couple of questions for you, Hendrik, because obviously everybody in the industry knows Romsys, you are core RMS provider, but as well as that, you support for GSMA, the RIAC services. Tell us a bit about, about Romsys. Yeah, actually a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated our 10th anniversary. So the first year of Romsys was 2007. Back then, we started uh, with a small application which enabled operators to exchange their uh, A14 documents. The GSMA introduced the first RIAC standard. And around that, we started to build a complete roaming management system, uh, which helps operators to streamline internal processes and reduce manual efforts in their workflows. Yeah, so the core, the core benefit for operators behind these kind of solutions is efficiency gains, cost savings, this kind of thing, right? 
Yeah, the vision of Romesys in general has always been uh, to become incredibly rich and to automate processes and reduce <laughs> manual efforts. Okay, and in terms of the the Ryx project, then this is a project I know about for for some time. Began in two thousand and one. Um, it had two different streams. It had the A A fourteen, which is now called the IoT and Opdata, and it had the IR twenty one side, which started later but has been, let's say, a little bit more successful. How many operators approximately are doing Ryx I twenty one these? It's around five hundred, I believe. Yeah, it's even more. It's uh, 550 right now, and it looks like the GSMA introduced a very valuable standardization there because um, operators exchange a lot of RIAX files. I mean, every time you change something in your network infrastructure or do any kinds of updates, you need to distribute a new file to your roaming partners, informing them about updates in your network so they can update their infrastructure accordingly with your information. Running updates like that is crucial to make sure that you can run services in a good quality. So beyond the actual RIAX solution, isn't that enough for operators? They take the data electronically. What happens then to the data? That's it, isn't it? That's that's all they need to do is to have it electronically in their database. Well, becoming RIAX compliant is like uh, the first step. Being RIAX compliant basically means that you can send out your own technical reference data to your roaming partners in a machine-readable format. But the question more is what happens when you receive a file? And as a large operator, having like, uh, I don't know, 500 to 600 roaming partners or even more, you can imagine that you receive a huge amount of IR21 files, meaning you have to do many, many network updates. And the actual benefit when it comes to the RIAX IR21 standard is that you can use the machine-readable files um, yeah, and have them processed in an automated way. Looking at our applications, it's uh, the IREC toolbox handling that, and the workflow is pretty much you as an operator receive a new IR21 file, the tool identifies the changes, based on the services you have in place with your roaming partners and then gives you like just an update to do or even a ready to use configuration file which you can directly upload to your network nodes to do yeah, network updates in pretty much no time. So this toolbox, how did you come about? How did that start? Yeah, the whole thing was pretty much uh, operator driven. Back in 2007, when the GSMA officially introduced the IR21 RIAX standard, we built this database on behalf of the GSMA and uh, one of our clients, which is T-Mobile Germany. They were very active in trialing and testing. And they said, yeah, it's very nice to be able to send out yeah. our own file in XML, but it would be even better if I could process my partner files automatically. Can't you guys come up with a solution for that? And that was actually the kickoff to start with the development work on uh, IREC Toolbox. So there is a lot of operator feedback went into the development process of the tool. And it actually took like two years until we had a first version which was yeah, ready for market. And in that time, um, we, we worked closely together, not only with uh, T-Mobile Germany, but also with other major operators uh, yeah, to make the tool really usable. And what about the future of Romsys? What you, you just said you've been around for around 10 years now. And so what's the future evolution of the company going to look like? Yeah, so we're still uh, very much driven um, by the idea of automation because uh, we've seen in our history that roaming teams are getting smaller and smaller. So the workload per person is incredible in uh, some companies, actually. So our efforts uh, will continue to go into the direction of reducing manual work as much as possible. Hendrik, it's great to, to chat with you. And if people wanted to find out more about Romsys and your solutions, how might they do that? They can just shoot me an email or uh, check out our website and they find my contact details there and I'm happy to answer any kind of questions.
So that was Hendrik Brenner from Roses. You know Hendrik, right? Yeah, James? I know Hendrik. I've known him for a number of years. See him at a lot of WAS meetings. Good chap. Yeah. So I think what what he said really, really rang true with me. And the key word and my key takeaway from that interview with him was automation. Mobile operators are under so many cost pressures. Mobile operators are under consolidation pressures. Some are lining up for IPO. Some are in the throes of takeover mergers. And the key thing that most mobile operators do not have is personnel. Whether in the roaming area, A to P SMS area, it's the same. And I think anything that vendors can do to bring in really nice, easy to use solutions to automate tasks and increase efficiencies. We're not talking here about automation tools which are going to yet further reduce the number of personnel because at the end of the day, people deal with people. But when we're talking about roaming, relationships are important and when you're negotiating, you cannot do that necessarily with a machine. So the personal interaction is required. But if you're looking at the administration side of things, then absolutely any tools to help any mobile operator would be gratefully received. That's my takeaway from that. Now, I think it's interesting to see how mobile network operators have diversified in recent years because, like we talk about these uh, these opportunities to make additional margins out of roaming, and it's interesting to see more and more MNOs stepping into the wholesale space and offering the solutions which they run for their own operators to other operators in the field. And the, one of the first operators that I remember doing this was JT Global. And it was a pleasure last week to meet Cara Murphy, who ah, I'm a long-term fan of, of Cara because she, I know she you has are, such Jason. a great personality. And so I had a chat with Cara last week at the Wars meeting, and it was a lot of fun. I'm now with one of my favorite people in the industry, which is Cara Murphy from, from JT Global. Um, Cara, you've been in the industry for quite a long time. When did you start in telecoms? Um, I started in telecoms straight from university, actually. So it's, it's a funny story because I don't think everyone, anyone ever plans to go into telecoms. <laughs> so I studied um, English literature and art history and drama and all of that kind of stuff at university. Came out and um, obviously uh, was struggling to find work in that field. Um, so my father said to me one day that if I didn't go get a job, I had to do the gardening. <laughs> so that was a, a big turning point in my, my life and actually was the start of my career. So um, there was a job going at JT um, and I started actually as a cashier in the shop and worked my way up um, and uh, have been in roaming actually since 2006 now. Really? You, so you actually started in a retail position in the shop? I did, I did. I was the cashier in the shop ex uh, accepting all the bill payments, would you believe? And tell me, because I'm always fascinated with the people in the shops, they never seem to understand roaming. Did you understand roaming when you were in the shop or did, was it only when you started in the, in the organisation? Uh, I understood nothing about roaming when I was in the <laughs> shop. And actually, only recently I had to give a presentation about roaming to our management board at JT because even within the company, people don't understand what we do. And the way I described it was like, it's like Narnia, you know, from The Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, where you open this wardrobe and there's just this whole other world and all of this, this community within that world. So, yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, there's some quite interesting stories about how people got into roaming and, and what background they had. Tell me something about Jersey Telecom, because you're, you're part of a group now, aren't you? I mean, you consider to it to be a group in terms of Guernsey and Jersey and 
and of course the JT Global is quite an organisation, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, I, I suppose we are a, a group in one sense, but we all sit under the JTT banner. Um, the organisation itself is split into two. So we have the Channel Island section and then the international business, of which I'm a part. Um, over the years, we've acquired other companies. Um, so we, we bought a, a roaming company, actually, in Melbourne seven years ago. So we now have offices in Melbourne and Boston. Um, we also acquired a, a data-centric type company in London so we have London offices now as well so we're growing in every kind of direction at the moment but we still like to keep our identity as a sort of small agile telco rather than a global brand. As a European operator but as not part of the EU roaming regulation what are the kind of impacts that you might that you've seen from from these 10 years of roaming regulation that have been going on? Yeah, well, we've kind of been sitting on the sidelines, which has got pros and cons. Um, I mean, I think a, a lot of the European operators would look at us and say we're in a good position, um, but not necessarily because we sit in between the UK and France, Jersey's right in between. So our retail customers are exposed to all of the media and uh, the rates that are advertised by the other operators, which are obviously a lot lower than ours. Um, so we've had to kind of mirror the regulation ourselves, even though we're not part of the EU, because our customers are expecting that. Um, obviously, from a wholesale point of view, we're not entitled to those wholesale rates. So from a resource perspective, we've had to put a lot of resource in into negotiating rates with the EU operators in order to enable these lower retail rates for our customers. So it's been, it's been quite a difficult position, actually, for us. Yeah, and I guess the, the regulators, of course in your country as in other European countries which are not regulated, not part of the EU 28, they've been pushing the operators to comply but there's no obligation of course because roaming is, it's all about bilateral relationships and about the IoT you can get and even if you were to reduce your wholesale costs, there's no obligation on the other party to reduce them towards you, I guess. No, absolutely. And, you know, we've had many, many conversations with our regulator over the years. Um, you know, that the, I think it was about two years ago now, our regulator instructed us that, uh, to follow the retail regulation. And, you yeah. know, we were explaining, you know, retail and wholesale go hand in hand. And not only that, it's bilateral. So, yeah, but, you know, there's so many facets to this. It's not just about reducing your outbound cost your retail customer and um, so it's been a struggle for us to, to um, educate right. <laughs> um, our regulator in some respect and just you mentioned briefly JT Global and you have a lot of offices now all over the world actually yes. um, it's quite amazing actually to consider that an operator which is on an island in somewhere in Europe where Let's say, if we say Jersey, people think of New Jersey. They don't, they don't even know where the Channel Islands are. To have got such a global presence as you have, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's amazing your wholesale business, I would say. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the products that you offer in terms of roaming on the wholesale side? Yeah, sure. Well, well the background kind of goes back way before these products. I, I don't know if you know, but Jersey is a finance centre. So we have certain uh, tax benefits in the Channel Islands. 
So we house a lot of the major banks and a lot of them had their headquarters in Jersey. So from the year dot, it was really important that we had good international links, good international roaming, good international interconnect. So it's always been a particular strength of ours. And moving forward over the last 10 years, we've just been evolving those links um, and the utilisation of those links, you know, and, and what else can we do? What other products can we build? Um, our prob- probably our biggest area at the moment is our um, IoT. Uh, to Romy people, it's M2M because IoT means something different. Uh, but that's a huge business for us now. And I think what also goes in our favour is that we're independent, so we're not part of a group. And um, so we've got really no other competitors that we have to worry about in other countries, you know. Those are amazing insights, Cara. Thank you very much for that. You're having a good conference here. I'm having an excellent conference, thank you. And actually for this end segment, I'd like to turn it around on you and talk about you for a second. Um, No, I'd just like to say how fantastically well Rocco are doing. The surveys you produce are intelligence that we've never had access to before. Um, Great work, Rocco. So that was Cara Murphy from from JT Global. I think you know Cara as well, don't you, James? Yeah, I do know Cara from the industry. So what... Cara and her team have been able to do is absolutely fantastic and I think it's a role model for many operators out there irrespective of size. Mobile network operators have got to remember and I've mentioned it during this news desk interview as well before that they essentially own the relationship with the subscriber but they have the opportunity to go out there and act as wholesalers as well. They have expertise. If a mobile operator has, for example, secured the A to P SMS channels, gone out there, built a really nice mobile engagement solution they can sell to enterprises, the provisor being there are no competitive pressures. On the topic of mobile engagement and A to P SMS, I think we should share that we are about to start on a new kind of masterclass. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about it, James? Absolutely. On December the 5th and 6th in Wembley, London. So uh, some countries would argue with this, but we could call it the spiritual home of global football. We'll be running an A to P SMS business kickoff session. So that's two days in Wembley on December the 5th and 6th in the UK. And this is targeted at mobile operators. And you will be there, James. I will be there, as you, as will you, Jason. I will indeed. No, I think uh, this is obviously one of the hottest topics in our industry right now. We, Of course, we know this from the vendor performance research we do. A lot of MNOs are very interested, so we hope to speak and to strategize with some of the MNOs there. Absolutely, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, but before that, next week, I will be having another foray into the world of you carrier will. billing. Okay. I will. And I'm attending World Telemedia 2017 in Marbella. So that's three days, October the 9th to 11th. No mobile operators present. Majority of the companies will be a whole different bunch for me. So the actual content originators, content providers. And I'm sure I'll be coming away from that with some great takeaways. It sounds like the last opportunity before the winter begins to have some sunshine, James. Uh, For me, coming from Yorkshire, it probably (laughs) is. Thank you, Jason. I wish you all the best with that. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan. And James Williams. And you've been listening to Newsdesk from Rocco Radio.